Welcome to episode 68 of Hollywood Breaks. So great to be with you in this last episode of 2021. Keith and I discussed today really the bomb of West Side Story, what that might mean to filmmaking in the future, and what Ryan Reynolds is doing in marketing that might be very different and more relevant to filmmaking. We also have a very lively conversation about the Oscars, what marketing really needs to be, and how to keep score films and films in the future. So this and many other things, welcome to Hollywood Breaks. I can't wait to see Spider-Man this weekend. I'm, I my, Connor already saw it last night, so I thought he was going to be here today to tell, tell us about it. But ooh, oh, why, dude? I want to I want to get the lowdown. I haven't seen any of the other two, so oops. yeah, maybe Lydia I got some can, catching up to do. Maybe Lydia can text Connor and get him on here. Uh, but I have tickets for Monday night. Yeah, get him out of bed. <laughs> Monday night, the whole family's going. We uh, got a row at the theater, and it's it sold out, man. It was there was I had to do look through five different show times to find a cluster wow. of eight seats to go uh, go to. Now, of course, I always like nice. the middle seat. There's there were plenty of front row seats in every showing. Whatever, oh, of course, but yeah. I think Spider Man's going to be a pretty incredible showing. But by the way, with reservations, they could already tell us what the box office is, right? I mean, they can already give us box office numbers because. Yeah, I would argue that Sony's probably pretty happy right now. Um, I think it's, it's looking like they're going to be 100 million plus. Some estimates are as high as 150. Uh, Sony's lowballing it at around one, I think 120 to 130, but it might ex- exceed that. Yeah, there's. Because Spider Man is just super popular. Everybody loves Spider Man. You just can't go wrong with Spidey. Well, they're doing something curious too, right? Because they're bringing in the Sony uh, universe into the Disney Marvel universe. Correct. So yeah. they're also there's a little bit of a that appeal to our nostalgia. You know that whole thing that we're trying to do in movies right now is we can't make any new ideas, so we just make the old ideas and bring them forward. So this is this is the Marvel way of doing it. Like, well, we'll keep a contemporary. We'll just pull in the 1990s Spider-Mans and bring them into a contemporary one. I, I think a lot of this is also um, it's also Marvel's first live action foray into the multiverse, if you will, um, which obviously Sony has tried before in the animated space with Into the Spider-Verse, which is the first time that we had yeah. multi multi spider multi Spider-Mans in one movie. So obviously Sony took some of the lessons from that and marvel's like ooh, this gives us an opportunity to rewrite the entire storyline and they started doing that in loki with the timelines and all these branches so you can see that they're setting it up to sort of do a reboot of a lot of the characters you know who knows who captain america is going to be and there's all this conversation about who's who and what what yeah so i think they're definitely using that as an opportunity but yeah the idea of bringing back dr octopus uh, Green Goblin, who were in the original, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, they're bringing in Electro, who was in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans. I'm curious whether or not Tobey and Andrew make an appearance, which has not been confirmed. That's what everyone wants to know. Everyone's know. Not been confirmed yet, and if they do make an appearance, and Sony was able to keep the lid on that, kudos to Sony, because I don't know how you could keep it that quiet for this long, but apparently they've been able to do it. We'll obviously know today whether or not they're actually in the movie. Yeah, because every everyone's going to be online tweeting about it. But I'm not reading anything. I'm keeping my. I want none of that. I'm going to go in. I know I'm watching it three days later than everyone else, but I'm going to wait to see myself. I don't want. I don't want to know. Have you seen the other two? Have you seen the previous two? Oh yeah, homecoming. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen the other. Anything. A homecoming in. Um, no way home. Far no, from this home. Is far, far from, from home. home. Far from home. Far from yeah. 
I can't get it on a streaming service. I have to rent it. Come on, Sony. Like, give up the movies to Netflix so I can get caught up. I mean, seriously. Wait, Sony still doesn't have a streaming service figured out yet? No. Apple hasn't acquired them. We predicted that a year ago. Apple was acquiring Sony. We we got none of that yet. Oh, man. No, no no one's required. That prediction hasn't been uh, come to fruition yet. Yet, mind you, yet. So what do you think of this uh, Peggy Noonan? Noonan article about uh, West Side Story because I, I I say the thing about Spider Man because her conclusion about the relevance of West Side Story I think is way off. Right, she's trying to predict all attendance into theaters and is our theaters recovering based off of her twelve thirty p.m. showing on a Wednesday in Uptown Boston to tell mm-hmm. us oh yeah only ten percent of or, or I'm sorry New York. Um, yeah. to um, to tell us, you know, no one's really interested in going to the theaters. Where I'll tell you, like, I went to the theaters last weekend and I didn't watch West Side Story. I saw becoming uh, being the Ricardos mm-hmm. instead of West Side Story because it's too early. I have to. It's not Christmas yet. I figure feel like when I when I have grandma and everyone, give me a week and I might show up to West Side Story. So I feel like her conclusion is a little bit campy. And then she's almost saying like, oh, superheroes are taking over, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I think that her, her assessment's a little bit off. I was intrigued by it because it, it, it's, it seems to be a common parlance on the coasts that, you know, the theaters are movie theater. Movies as a, go, as a theater going experience are done. Like it's just, it's, the new evolution is coming. And I made this point in my newsletter this week where I was like, yes, there are, there are changes happening. And I laid out three examples of how theaters can survive because I think that ultimately what distinguishes a movie from like something on Netflix is that theatrical experience, that release and making it a cultural touch point. I don't necessarily agree with her in terms of... Um, you know, movies as a cultural touch point being dead. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think a lot of it is um, that one, I think the marketing campaign on West Side Story, all respect to Damon Wolf from last week, was kind of not great. Um, they ran away from the idea that it was a musical because their research was telling them young people don't like musicals and my whole thing is like yeah, we hated La La Land. Yeah, that La La Land thing was a total failure. Yeah, we hated yeah. La La Land. We didn't like Greatest Showman. So musicals are it's just yeah, Greatest Showman that wasn't worth anything. Yeah, it's not. And the other thing is, I think, and the you know, the whole and Hamilton's thing, not doing very good and on even on stage. Like, yeah, we hate that stuff. And the whole thing about like you know, it's because young old people don't want older folks who are supposedly the target audience for West Side Story don't want to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's your perspective because for most of us. The pandemic is more or less over in a lot of ways, um, at least here and like in my neck of the woods outside of Philadelphia, nobody's masking when they're outside. Mm-hmm. I know in LA and New York, you can't go five feet without everybody wearing masks, but that's not how it is here. Um, so I, I don't necessarily buy that explanation either. Um, I think what a lot of this is driven by is the idea that there's there, the studios aren't doing a very good job of creating any excitement around anything other than a stu- other, anything other than a superhero movie, because they know those are going to work. Right. Sure. Um, it's interesting. The Ankler had a, uh, an interesting piece, a newsletter this past week, they're doing this exit interview series, I guess, with, you know, anonymous executives and CEOs and, 
And one studio exec was like, listen, it's, it's not, it's, it, it's because no one, it's like we've been talking about. He's basically, he or she came out and said, no one's taking any risks anymore. No one believes in the creative anymore. No one wants to really push for, uh, for the new voices and the new directors and the new writers to get new, new uh, ideas out there. They just want to go to what's safe. And that's because that's the edict that's coming from on high. Now I've heard we've all heard wonderful things about West Side Story, and you know it's supposedly a great movie. Uh, but again, I, I don't think they made an event out of it. They didn't they didn't push for it to make it feel like it was going to be something that you had to experience in theaters. It just felt like there's no there's no excitement around it. And the one thing I think Peggy did point out is that you need to bring back this idea that movies are something to be experienced and. I don't think that has really happened much over the last few months. And I think that's part of the challenge that we're facing right now is that the studios are sort of unsure of how really to, you know, make their movies events if they're not superhero movies. My take on it is this, and this is why I think that she's off, right? There's like a inherent assumption that because it's a Spielberg film, people would go see it. Oh yeah. That's, that's it. So she never, she just says like Steven Spielberg made a movie. It's West Side Story. It's a musical, but he made a movie. Therefore everybody should be there because everyone goes to Spielberg movies. Um, And my take is like, what if this might be scary? What if Spielberg's not relevant anymore? Yeah. Like what if those days are gone? Because what's the last thing that Spielberg did that actually had an impression that was anywhere near an Oscar was, uh, telling a story or creating a new universe. Like it's not, he's not, he's not coming up with that anymore. Mm. He's in a different stage of his career. <clears throat> we almost felt need to help let him evolve into doing something um, more relevant artsy and not have to be so Spielbergish, honestly, but there's a, uh, but that idea of that era being over is not mentioned anywhere in here. Yeah. She's just wants to blame it on the pandemic and superhero movies, which isn't superhero me- movies are feeding something new because it allows for massive content yeah. within characters that you understand and something you right. can always consume and, you know, kind of basically meeting the marketplace. So there's a relevance there, mm-hmm. but the scary thought that Spielberg's not relevant is just way too scary. And I think she, that's where she's missing the mark. Yeah. And I don't want to say that he's bad. It's just that his name is not not carrying the weight that it needs to. It's not driving me to a platform because I know Spielberg did it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, they made the movie more about him uh, versus the actual movie itself. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the campaign itself was driven around Steven Spielberg. And again, that goes to this whole idea of this bubble mentality that um, there was an opinion writer in the New York Times who wrote this past week Um, It was spot on. And she was basically saying, we're so stuck in our own bottles. And she used the example of succession, right? Hit show. Everyone loves it. Yet everyone's talking about it. It was watched by 1.85 million viewers, which 10 years ago would be like, what? Bomb. Whereas Yellowstone, also a hit, was watched by almost 14 million viewers. Wow. But do we read all these breathless articles about Yellowstone? No, because everyone's in their little bubbles. So like everyone in New York and L.A. is watching Succession because it's an HBO prestige drama. I love it. It's a great show. But I also love Yellowstone. And obviously Yellowstone is getting more eyeballs 
And that's a show that everyone really likes, but yeah. they're not getting, they're not writing all these breathless articles about all the actors on Yellowstone and blah, 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 blah. So I think it goes to this idea that there's also a disconnect in terms of like Peggy Noonan writes very much from a Manhattanite perspective, which makes sense. She spent most of her life there. And that's her perspective. Like it's a Spielberg movie. Of course, everyone wants to see Steven Spielberg. And it's, it's West Side Story. It's like, he made E.T. He's so important. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's so relevant. Whereas a 22-year-old is going to be like, what? Why do I care? Like the idea of like directors driving people to the movies, I just don't think is relevant anymore. Yeah. But again, it's that sort of bubble mentality of New York and L.A. Like, oh, it's a Spielberg movie. This is going to be a huge hit. Yeah, it's interesting you said that thing about the director because it's almost one of our critiques of what Netflix doesn't do very well is tell us who the storyteller is. They basically just say, watch this, consume it, watch more, consume more. Right. And they're forgetting to tell us about the auteur part of the filmmaking. Like, who's the filmmaker? Why are they doing this? Where are they in their career? What stories are they trying to tell you? Tell you? What else have they um, created? We don't have as much of that touch point anymore. Maybe because Amazon bought IMDb. We don't get a... Um, to dive into that stuff is easy anymore either. But there is something that like used to weight us into that and it would drive us into theater. And I think this consumer um, mentality isn't there. It's interesting because, you know, that's not a bad idea because they just assumed everybody knew who Spielberg was. And now I'm thinking back to when we were doing Avatar um, and we ran into the roadblock of, we all knew who James Cameron was, but you know what we did? This was the one time that w- that Hollywood kind of did. We well, we in marketing anyway did it right. We we blasted focus groups all over the country. It wasn't just Sherman Oaks or some s- suburb in Westchester County. <laughs> yeah, right. We went everywhere, and what we realized is we may know who James Cameron is, but nobody else did. Why? Who's James Cameron? Why do I want to see that movie? So if you go, if any of you want to go back and watch the third trailer of Avatar, you will see the back half of that trailer is his resume. And it's literally like Titanic, Terminator, T2, True Lies. So it's like, oh, this guy knows how to make a good movie. And it's interesting that they totally avoided that with Spielberg yeah. because they just assumed everybody knew who Spielberg was because they know who Spielberg is. Right. And it might have been smarter to sort of lay out his resume. Hey, you know, he made this, 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 and all these really great movies that sort of define. Yeah, he's the creator of the B movie. He's the creator. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, like you can go through all that, like, you know, Jaws and you know, like all these E.T. And I don't know if Jaws, is that relevant? Is, is even E.T. relevant to a, a movie? Or that's what I'm like. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. It's, think about the last thing you would say about Spielberg. Like he just doesn't. I, I, you're right. You're right. I mean, but again, I'm just yeah. trying to think. Again, I'm just trying to illustrate that maybe this is something that they kind of just ignored and real not realizing that Spielberg doesn't mean what Spielberg used to mean. Now, that is a very hard conversation to have with director. And I'm sure nobody at Disney Fox wanted to go to Spielberg. It's like, nobody knows who you are. So we have to kind of get rid of it. That's the last thing Steven Spielberg wants to hear right now. Yeah. But at the same time, it 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 illustrates again this idea that the the sort of ecosystem of New York and LA is a driving a lot of the conversation when even if it just comes down to whether or not people feel COVID is, is still ongoing, is still a pandemic. And the coasts and LA and New York, yes. You go anywhere else in the country? I no, people just aren't 
acting like we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And it's the same thing with like the marketing of it all. Like they all assume everyone knows who Spielberg is. That isn't always the case. I have, uh, I, I think the, um, the best, the most relevant marketing for Spielberg would be something along the lines of, Hey, do you know who JJ Abrams is? Because uh, he copied Spielberg. Yeah. That's like, so if you like JJ Abrams, which you know who he is, he's, he copied Spielberg. So Spielberg's relevant. Yeah. No, but so what's funny is, is like, a, um, it made me think. So when we, uh, we went to Hollywood to the Pantages theater to watch Hamilton. And as we were there, you come out of a parking lot and there's a gigantic billboard, Ryan Reynolds. And it's, he's just, you know, it's a gigantic picture of him. It's for his gin company. Yeah. Uh, if, if I mentioned his gin company, does he pay us? By the way, because he <laughs> plugs it all the time, I'm wondering if we plug it, we get paid. That and Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile, yeah, can yeah. Pay us. Can we? So it, it, it was Aviation Gin. Uh-huh. Um, it, yeah. So we got to make sure you. But it's a, a gin company billboard, and it's he's it's him just kind of looking. Uh, I think he's looking beyond his sunglasses or something like that. And the billboard says, "I can see my star from here," which is like it's so clever, and he's kind of that. It, it's his personality. He's out there doing it, and you don't you don't have to wonder what Ryan Reynolds is doing. Like he's, he's someone that's staying relevant in this marketplace and keeping the momentum going yep. because he has this idea of a personality and what the marketing is like in today's world. So even though um, red note, what was the thing? What, the Netflix red notice, red notice, red notice again, like didn't hate it by the way. I don't like Netflix movies. I didn't, but I didn't hate that one. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> really? I didn't hate it. That's a no, shock to I, me and I every one of our I, viewers. I knew what I was watching. <laughs> I know. Maybe I should just be very careful. I'm changing everybody's opinion about me. <laughs> but the fact that he and The Rock and, and uh, Gal Gadot, those, mm-hmm. those folks are doing something where they're out there keeping themselves relevant, putting themselves in front of people, and then they can sell. Like, that's real work. That's the kind of the new work of Hollywood. Yeah, I, and I would say... I think this is what Ryan's doing. That's so utterly brilliant. He is making relevant marketing in real time. Like that Peloton ad he did with Chris Noth, who now is obviously been accused of some pretty heinous things. So if anyone wants to try to watch it, you can't, they pulled it down. But prior to that, um, they literally ran the ad right after the episode air where he, Mr. Big spoiler alert. Um, in the new Sex in the City series, dies on a Peloton. And then they did an ad with the woman from Peloton from last year that Ryan Reynolds so beautifully played. And it became instantly uh, popular. Like that is just, he understands like how to be, to make things that are so relevant. Now, I would love to see a studio try to do this, but the problem with that is, and I was talking to somebody about this this week, it's because the layers of approval, like Ryan doesn't have to go through five different layers of approval to get a spot out. Like he and his partner, George Dewey, who is a great digital, you know, maven and was, I worked with him at Fox and he's really, you know, smart. And on top of it, they can just bang out a script like that and go shoot it. Like we, you can't do that in the studio, but that's what needs to start happening. Yeah. If you want to be relevant, you have to do something that's going to be culturally relevant in the moment and it's going to get an instant reaction. And that's what he is so brilliant at doing. And, you know, I'd really like to see, I think if the studios and Netflixes of the world and all the other streamers really want to make their, to counter Peggy Noonan's point, make movies a cultural relevant uh, moment now, 
that's what they have to do. They have to do marketing that's instantaneous and responsive and not just, you know, oh, we're going to lock in the plan and this is our strategy and then go with it regardless. Like you have to sort of be a little bit more flexible, especially in today's market to be, to be so responsive. As- you know, people are consuming TikTok videos at 15 per second or whatever. Like you have right. to, the consumption rate of what uh, the consumption consumption rate changes people's attitude of what they want to consume. Right. And you have to find a relevance of something for them attached to so that they're willing to engage and sit through your 30 second marketing piece. Right. Cause they're 15 seconds is too long nowadays. Um, so there, this idea of like the, the capturing the audience, understanding who, who Ryan Reynolds is knowing that he always pl- is kind of playing games. You never know what's going to pop up. You know, there's some sarcastic nature to the back end of it. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, it really is brilliant. Yeah, and I don't you know like did you even see? Have you seen one video of Spielberg? Do we even know what Spielberg looks like anymore? Just see one photo of them. <laughs> so they keep using this name Spielberg, and then they're not using. We don't have any character of who the person is behind yeah. that name that would that right. we have a, that we get attached to. It's just the end of a certain time. And uh, in Hollywood, right? That's right. You know, everybody knows, listen to this podcast knows it's the end of that time. Yeah. So we have to ask ourselves questions like, well, so what is relevant? If Hollywood, if the old Hollywood is broken, how do I now break through? And that breakthrough moment that you're looking for has its pieces there. You can see them. They're very relevant and sitting right in front of you. We're probably consuming them and not realizing why we're attached to the things we're consuming. But if you turn on some critical thinking, stop reading New York Times about how the movies work and get your little behind into a movie theater and start watching things and, and forming your own opinion, you realize like there's a lot of relevant things happening. Yeah. I'm t- being the Ricardos, by the way, is is an amazing film. Aaron Sorkin did an excellent job. And it's kind of a, it's a it's a all good film directors have their tribute to Hollywood film, right? And this is one of his tribute to Hollywood films. Yeah. But the the thought of telling that story in, in the condensed timeline of five days and then make you fall in love with these characters again and the history of Hollywood and, and want to know more about their life um, and attached your, your hour and a half to something else that had a relevance and, and uh, bridges, a, bridges a, mm-hmm. a couple of generations span yeah. is all like pulled itself into something where I, I'm sitting there with my 20-year-old son and he loved it as much as I did. No, of course, you know, he's my kid, so he knows who Aaron Sorkin is. But I was going to say, like, it's interesting that you knew it was coming out because I kind of did, but that was only because I happened to catch the news that there was a premiere like a week ago or something like that. I have seen no materials on to it. To be clear, my 20-year-old is the one that said, do you want to go see this tonight? And I was like, oh, yeah, that is so he he's in a interesting so how did he know about it well he read it are you kidding me like that's yeah okay there are conversations taking place where people are being pulled into different ideas different thoughts especially if you like films or curious about something you're obviously going to go down certain rabbit holes but but keith i was in so it was friday night um orange county 50 percent of the theater was filled to 40 percent maybe it was just 150 percent but you know, again, like didn't find the best seats in the house because I had it stuff from the center thinking I could probably own the theater. Um, it was so I, we weren't the only ones that were pulled into uh, watching this movie. Yeah, but I would say that if even it be well, yes, you're to your point, your son knows about it because he's your son. But 
you know, most people in my neck of the woods, no clue, no idea, no idea. And if this movie is great, where, where is the, uh, the sort of push the awareness and marketing to make people aware of the movie? I think we're in, this is a Amazon studios film. There you go. And it's a, it's an Oscar push, right? So we're three weeks before the end of the year. Uh, there's no doubt it's going to be probably best director, um, best actor, um, and possibly best actress for Nicole to commit. Wow, look at you! So they're definitely pushing those three key pieces. But well, very well written, by the way. Be- um, best writing too. So I think there's a total Oscar push. So we're not going to see the big marketing for it until the Oscars are released, and then you'll you'll see it all over the place. But then the Oscars will will they still be relevant at that point? Mm, Oscar nominations are still relevant. They weren't really relevant last year. <laughs> well, the nominations are right. Nominations still get people's attentions, even. And then you then you watch them because they finally tell you that someone made a movie. I would have believed that seven eight years ago when I was living in Los Angeles, but living sort of outside that bubble in the. I mean, granted, I'm not like in the middle of the country or anything like that, but even in the western suburbs of Philadelphia, that doesn't mean anything. Nobody cares. Like it, it's not, it's not as relevant as it you think it is. To be quite frank, it's just not. So maybe from sort of an LA, New York perspective, perhaps uh, film career perspective, yeah. But not outside of that. I mean, nobody. I mean, yes, you. It, it's it's always nice to say I'm nominated for five Oscars. But look at the Oscar telecast last year. Look how many people watched it. Nobody watched it. Well, we Nobody knew that. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, your 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 thesis is that it makes a difference. Well, you may ask the question. You ask the question. Why didn't you know? And I'm just telling you, you don't know because the Oscar nominations are out yet. When the nominations come out, they'll tell you the movie isn't here. Yeah. Okay, that okay, that's fine. That's fair. That you are answering the question, but I you also said that they're going to use it to sell the movie, and yes, they probably will. I would argue. It's not as effective as they think it is. It's just not. If the movie is great, then pull back from your opinions for a second. Go okay. put your put your marketing hat on. That's hard for me. Your studio marketing hat on, right? Mm-hmm. You have a a list director and writer. By the way, his stuff is brilliant. Molly's game. Okay, hold on. Can I can I interrupt you? Yeah, I, I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push you a little bit on that. I don't think most people know who Aaron Sorkin. Is. But they they would know his movies. Like he's no, they wouldn't. Made. Like what? Molly's game? That, I mean, <laughs> nobody knows about that. Now, if you say, if you well, wait, wait, if you say writer of A Few Good Men, Social Network, that's a different story. But I, I would bet if you went to, if I went to the grocery store right down the street, and I grabbed five random people, I would say four out of the five probably wouldn't know who Aaron Sorkin was. So that, but that's my point. Hold on. That is exactly my point. Okay. So you have an A-list director, your studio, you have an A-list director, great writer, decent director, by the way. I mean, he, and he I think he did Steve Jobs too, right? The whole the Steve Jobs. No, I, not this. I don't think he directed it. He wrote it. He didn't direct it. Okay. So he wrote it. So yeah. he's a brilliant storyteller. So you want to keep him alive. And he says, I want to do this film. So you say, cool, let's, let's Aaron Greenlight do this film. Now you're in the marketing department. We say, what are we going to do this, with this film? You say, simple. Why waste any money? explain who Aaron Sorkin is and trying to get people to a theater about Lucy and Desi that no one re- really knows about because that was two generations ago. Let's just get this thing in the theaters. This is Amazon, by the way, Amazon studios. Let's get this thing in the stu- theaters and then let's do 
a four-year consideration campaign. Let's save all the money for the four-year consideration campaigns. And then we'll see if we can get an Oscar. And then we'll get some, we'll get our, our ROI. So they're like, cool, let's just rush it into the theater right now. Let's make sure we get it in, in before the deadline so that when oh, we yeah. finish spend the money, we have that for your consideration dollars against it. They're like, yeah, it's totally what they're doing. It's all business move. Why would why would you even waste any money right now? I understand the the process behind it. I would argue for a broader push saying from director Aaron Sorkin doesn't mean anything. Right, right. That's why neither does neither does. That's why you didn't know about it either. I'm saying like that's why nominated for three Oscars. That that's not nobody nobody. That's not relevant anymore. What I'm saying is, ah, uh, come on. It, it, they're going to spend money on something anyway. Amazon is not holding back, right? Uh, no, I, I understand why they're doing it. I mean, I know Jeff Bezos wants that gold Oscar, and he just likes going to the parties because you know, as I said a million times Hollywood is high school and they yeah. he just wants and to hang out with all beautiful people so he needs to he needs a new girlfriend right yeah. exactly right. so i understand the pro- the thought process behind it you need yes the release for it to be you know um to get you know for consideration for oscars i understand that and the fyc and all that kind of stuff my thing is if this is as great a movie as you th- say it is which i believe it probably is then this is an opportunity to to drive people to get to come back to the movies because this is a great movie. This isn't it. Spider-Man's why you get people back in the theaters. Like, come okay, on. fine. Well, yeah. that's the, yeah, well, that's all the superheroes. Of course, they're going to get yeah. people back in the theaters. But what I'm saying is it just reminds people that the medium itself is still a powerful storytelling one. And I think that is sort of the idea that they could potentially pursue in sort of the new year. Um, you know, They'll probably do some. I mean, the other thing is Amazon. So they're not going to do a traditional, what's a f- small film like this would probably deserve, which is a platform release. You put it out in a couple hundred theaters, you get people talking about it, and you just keep broadening and broadening. It's kind of like what happened with the King's Speech. You know, you start small, everyone talks about how great it is, and then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that may be the way to do this. So we'll see. But Okay, so in your in your vision craft brew, by the way, I'm curious about this. Your vision craft brew menu, what what um, what marketing strategy is that? By the way, the one where you start small and then you do word of mouth and it rolls itself out piece by piece by piece by piece. Because what what, what movies would that be relevant for? If I was a filmmaker, uh, well, that again, that would be sort of a more genre specific, not necessarily broad broader story, but it's just a great movie and it's a great story. And you might not have the stars. You may not have the budget um, that necessarily would give you the eyeballs that you need. You're not going to go against Spider-Man, obviously. Um, so a platform release makes sense for a movie that you really want to just build the audience and you want to build word of mouth. And you have like, I know you advise filmmakers about an Oscar strategy. I know you do. You're basically saying, hey, the, yeah. the most relevant way to market this film is recognize how the Oscars work and let's spend our time and effort going towards something like that. Even like to green light a film, like before they even start, you would, you can rate it and go like, Hey, if you're going to make this film, let's make it, let's put it this time. Let's create this release date. Let's recognize let's, let's cast it with these folks. Right. Right. Because we have Oscar nominated actor, Oscar Oscar winning actor, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Playing Ricky. Like it's not like they're they're hitting certain marks just for that moment. And 
beyond ROI, like just cash ROI, we know that people make movies for prestige, for a career. Yes. So for example, if they were to take this idea to a studio, my guess is the studio would cut the budget by like 20 to 30%, whatever Amazon spent on it. Because one, it's a, it's a smaller story. It's not specific. Javier Bardem and Nicole Kidman aren't really stars that are going to drive people to the theaters. Right. Aaron Sorkin's a great writer, but again, doesn't mean anything to anybody in Iowa. Doesn't He just doesn't. Right. So a studio exec is not going to be like, oh yeah, I'll make this for like, I'll do this movie for like 30. They, they would probably be like, I'll do this movie for like 30 million. You go to Amazon, they'll be like, okay, yeah, we want gold. We want to be legit. I, Jeff Bezos, I want to be Ted and Reed to the gold statue. So we can make this movie. I mean, but yeah, that if you want an Oscar, great. But there's there's an entirely different strategy from that to technically a platform release. Because if you're doing an Oscar campaign, yes, you release it in a couple hundred theaters in New York and LA because that's where most of the voters are. And then you have to go after all the guild screenings. So you do all the guild screenings. And then you get Nicole and Javier doing all the sort of screenings, the guild screenings, and they show up. And then you get Aaron Sorkin to show up. I think that's a completely different strategy from starting a movie small and letting it build naturally. Like okay. what Damon Wolf said with La La Land, where it was like, we just didn't think people would get it if we let it out wide. So we started small and let it build from there. That's a pla- that's a different thing than an Oscar campaign because an Oscar campaign. So this is a platform play. You would say this would be the platform play like La La Land, where yes. you basically recognize, right. I'm, I'm going to get it in on the earth's mark. Because yeah. I, I guess I being an Amazon film, they're Amazon is not doing what Netflix uh, does with their films, right? They're not saying consume this. They have made a film. They put it in a theater, you know, at the end of the year to get it under, under the line. Because they want to qualify. Yes. To to, to qualify. And they're not saying, oh, it's going to drive a lot of viewers to our Amazon platform. They're not doing that at all. They're basically saying what we need is an Oscar count. So come, come March, we have a bigger Oscar count than the other platforms. Yeah. And they're going to add up the pieces there. Yeah. So that's all very, very relevant and very useful. And that's why they greenlight Aaron Sorkin's film. So if you go back to the job that you do with filmmakers of like, should we even greenlight this thing? Yeah. Then you'd say like, there are very relevant reasons. And by the way, the whole purpose of this podcast, you want to learn how to break in, start finding ways and recognizing where the score is counted. Yeah. So if you think like the only way to make a film is a superhero movie and because box office numbers count, you and I are saying it's not the only thing that counts. There are other ways that people keep score and be part of that strategy, mm-hmm. make relevant content for that strategy, or at least the content you want to make, realize where it fits into that strategy and play itself out. Right. That's exactly right. And I, I think that would be the All right, lesson learned for today. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, that would be the, that would be sort of the idea behind it. I'm sure you know, as we've had Cameron on and she has mentioned that the whole point of prime video is, is to get people on the platform and stay on the platform and just stay there and play on Amazon till, you know, the sun comes up. That's the point, but it does help if you have movies that sort of have this, uh, you know, potential for Oscar, because that again, in town with talent, that's kind of a thing. Like everybody wants that statue. That's the, that's like the, how they view, you know, their careers is like the ultimate goal is to win an Oscar. Um, and the streamers want to prove that you come here, you'll get an Oscar nomination. So that, that is definitely behind. The- or I'll subscribe. I want to watch the Oscar nominated films. I'll subscribe to the platform just so I can watch it. Yeah. And you feel like, well, what's, 
what's 10 bucks to watch right. a film? Well, it's 10 bucks a month, but you just right. think at that point, what's 10 bucks. So you get the subscribers yep. to watch that one film and then they don't, they don't leave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, by the way, this is our last of the year. I know. Last podcast of the year. Holy cow. Right. End of 2021 wrapping it up before we wrap up. Cause I, Lydia's already hitting me up that we're, uh, we're beyond time Running over before I give up. Yep. What's the Christmas movie you're going to watch? What's the number one Christmas movie for the family? What, which one am I going to watch? What's the what's the number one Christmas movie for your family that you you have to watch? It's, it's are we talking new movies or are we talking like Christmas old movies? movies? And, I, and I'm not talking about your Hallmark movies that you and your wife cuddle up with every night and you're drinking no. a little cocoa and you're, you're watching I watched another those, Princess I watched those, Christmas two or whatever. <laughs> I watch those just to laugh at them, but. Um, the one we were see you do watch them. I totally called you out on that. Don't watch them. I <laughs> we click them on and then we laugh. And my wife makes fun of me because I just watched them and watch how cheesy they are. The one we like is uh, Emmett Otter's Junk Band Christmas. That's one of our faves in this family. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that can be found on Apple, thankfully. So we watch that pretty much every every Christmas. So that'll that'll be the one I'll be probably watching tonight because my kids are done with school as of. In about three hours for two weeks. So we'll probably be watching that tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's the beginning of the marathon of yes. how many Christmas movies can you watch? Yeah. Yeah. How many Christmas movies can we consume in two weeks? We are, we are totally as probably no surprise. We're a total elf family. We can quote every word. Well, that's a good one. All the stuff. That's a great one. Talk around it. Yep. Talk about John Favreau. Like we, we go deep when we talk about elf, every part of that film, we can talk about who, <laughs> what, where, why, and how, right? And even just talking about like the, this year's conversation will be like about Adam McKay and Will Ferrell broken up. And you know, like, we'll, we'll get into everyone's career when we talk about else. So that's the center of our Christmas universe. Wow. You really go deep. You definitely oh, go bro. deep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. I got, I'm impressed. I got five kids that have grown up on film, film genre on a tour film, filmmaking ah. perspective. So they're, they're, they grew up a film it. critic in their life. They don't, they don't, nice. I don't let them off easy, man. <laughs> I didn't homeschool these kids for no reason. I'm like, you guys are going to know this film thing inside out yeah. before we get done. Right, right, right. Hey, well, many blessings to you and your family. It's been same uh, to you, Tim. Thank you. Great year. What are we on episode 68 right now? So yeah, we'll keep on going. And um, I can't wait for that keep on going. future conversations we're having with some of these um, future guests. So I know it's big stuff coming. Yeah, some really great ones coming up in the new year. So stay tuned. Let's also thank Lydia and all of her amazing production talent that she puts behind this thing, making sure that we are cameras are turned on, lights are turned on, recording is done, and recording is uploaded, as we all know, has a challenge, if you're asking me. Yes. And Michelle, I know you're sitting right next to Lydia right now, and thank you, too. Hopefully that Lydia shared her headphones with you, so you can hear this. But thanks for thanks to you guys, and Merry Christmas to, to all of you. And we appreciate you being part of this podcast process. Um, Connor, me, the Thompson family, we're going to enjoy the next couple of holidays and we'll be back early January. Keith, you guys have a wonderful Christmas. I know you're traveling, so safe travels to you. Same to you, Tim. Thank you. All right. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next year. Merry Christmas. See you next year. Bye.